Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. All right, well, when you need to know about what's going on in the world, who better to let you know than the Decibel Geek Podcast? I mean, we know what's going on in the world, and if we feel it's our duty to pass on this information to our friends and loved ones, and that's what we're doing. It's GeekWire, the latest and greatest happenings in the world of rock and metal music. We're bringing it to you. My name's Aaron Camaro, in case you don't know. And of course, always with me, the man who knows it all, Mr. Chris Sinzak. What's going on, brother? Oh, it's nice to be back after a week off that was uh, well-earned, uh, and thanks to your great work on that uh, Rock and Pod update or uh, preview episode you did. It was awesome. Yeah, it was the ultimate. <laughs> yeah, the ultimate. <laughs> and I can tell that you needed a week off. You oh, yeah. needed needed a break. You were having trouble, so... I know your hands are tied with Rock and Pod, you know, and I just thought, well, this was, it's kind of funny, actually. It was one of those things where I come up with this idea, and I'm like, yeah, that would be awesome. I could do that. And then I tell you I'm going to do it, and then I sit down and start doing it, and I go, holy shit, this is going to take a long time. <laughs> That's like me with Rock and Pod every year. <laughs> yeah. I say the same thing. <laughs> I'm like, why the fuck did I decide to do this? <laughs> yeah, but in the end, just like Rock and Pod, I feel like it was worth it. I put a lot of work, a lot of heart into that thing, and I think it turned out great. And it was a lot of fun to do it, and I know it was funny. I got a lot of love for, from people for it. So, And the main thing was I just wanted people to share it. Just get the word mm -hmm. out there about Rock and Pod. You know, it's about a month away now. You know, we're coming up on it. The heat is on for rock and pod man and i'm excited about it everybody's excited about it and i just want everyone to share that and get the word out there so that nobody hears about it later and goes i could have went to that yeah every year i always oh if i had known about that i would have gone i'm like damn it yeah you know that's the hardest thing is getting the getting the uh the word out out of the algorithm and uh Word of mouth is the best thing. So yeah, if you if you hear about it and you think it sounds cool, even if you can't come share it and let somebody that you know that might be able to come know about it. But I'll, I'll be honest, the 
I've been so looking forward to getting on a mic with you because it's just like, I feel like I can relax when we do decibel geek together. And I'm just like, I can kind of take a break from it and just be a fan and talk rock and roll again. So I'm happy to do this today. Well, that works out because that's the name of the game. It's geek wired. The latest in the news. Chris, you've put together an awesome list of cool news stories. we got all kinds of cool things to talk about. So let's get right to it. Yeah, so uh, I know, remember back in the day when radio would do double shot, you know, plays where they play the one song or two songs by the same band? Uh, Of course, man. I'm a former rock and roll radio DJ. How could I ever forget Two for Tuesday? Yeah, so today we're going to do a double shot of Megadeth news stories. All right, good. I love Megadeth. All right, so the first one, um, I don't know if you heard about this, but Megadeth is due to play at the Budokan in Tokyo for the first time uh, later this month. Wow. And as many people know, Marty Friedman, who used to be in the band, has lived in Japan for many years. Right, and yeah. So I think the biggest monumental part of this is Dave Mustaine is going to get on stage with an ex-band member, which is not pretty, doesn't happen very often. So Marty's going to jump up with them and do three songs with them. So I think that that's kind of, it's actually cool, but it's also, I'm surprised that they've never played Budokan before. That's what I was thinking when you first said that, you know, you would think at this point, Megadeth's played everywhere, but never at the Budokan. That's pretty cool. And Marty Friedman being a part of that. Man, that's awesome. How cool would it be to be at that show? Yeah, that's that's a venue that uh, is on my bucket list to go to a show at is Budokan. I've always wanted to see a show there. Yeah, legendary. Yeah, but that's cool. And um, so that's some nice uplifting Megadeth news. And then the next story, <laughs> Jeff Young, who used to be in Megadeth back in the day, played on Killing Is My Business and So Far So Good, yeah. had uh, an interview with Jeff Glossy from Misplaced Straws, who actually I was on his show recently myself, and he said uh, he was at because him and Elson are doing this Kings of Thrash thing uh, that's like a and Chris Poland I think is involved too. Yeah, oh yeah, so we it's talked like, about that. That's cool. Yeah, so it's ex Megadeth members doing Megadeth tunes without Dave, and uh, he was asked by this guy if if him and Elson have had any feedback from Mustaine about the new band, and he said. We haven't, nor would we care or concern ourselves with any of that. It's a win-win for all of us, including Mustaine, because on this Kings of Thrash, blah, 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 who's getting the publishing on every one of those tunes? Not me or Dave Ellison or any of the other members. So Mustaine is making the money. And uh, when when the interviewer said that Megadeth largely ignores materials from the first three albums, Jeff Young said they don't play those songs because they can't play those songs. Mustaine can't play or sing them. Oh, I'm not being a dick. It, it's, it's just a fact. He can barely play and sing the stuff that they're doing, the same 10 songs every night. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's pretty harsh. Ooh. But I mean, you know, Dave's one to dish it out. You know, you got to be able to take it too, I suppose. Yeah. I, I, I'm not like a diehard Megadeth fan, so I haven't seen them in recent years. So I can't really comment on whether Dave can or can't do that. But I mean, the footage I've seen of them in the last few years, he seems more than capable of doing everything to me. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so that kind of surprised me. But I mean, there's definitely no love lost between Mustaine and Jeff Young. Mustaine's talked a lot of shit about Jeff Young over the years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, what comes around kind of goes around sometimes when you talk a lot of shit, always. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's based on the idea that if somebody comes and sees the Kings of Thrash, have never heard of Megadeth before, will hear the music, love it, 
and then go out and purchase the music, and that's how Dave wins in this situation? I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think I'd rather see Mustaine with Marty Friedman than Jeff Young with Ellison. I wouldn't mind seeing either show, to be honest. No, seriously, I'd go see that. I think it sounds pretty cool. I don't know who's singing for them, but, if I mean, do they just got like a Dave cover guy? I haven't seen any footage yet. I've heard from other people that the guy they have sounds, you know, he does a decent uh, Mustaine. I, guess, okay. I don't know if it's an impression, but he, he can he can pull it off on the songs pretty well. Hmm. It'd be interesting for that lineup to find, like, an original singer and then write some tunes, you know, in the, in the vein, in the style and flavor of that early Megadeth. Yeah, especially if... Uh, if Chris Poland's involved, I would love to. I'd love yeah. to hear what he could do. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, all right, we ready to talk about Kiss? Well, that didn't take long. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make this the lead story, but then I'm like, ah, let's do the two Megadeth ones first because this is the uh, giant tape machine elephant in the room story that uh, I've been waiting to talk about with you. Okay. So I don't know if you've been following this, but uh, our good friend Sink and Stanley is all over the news. <laughs> oh, man. I, that stuff's so funny. <laughs> so did you hear what went down? No. I'm not even going to read the article because I know the story. Okay. So I'll, I'll read the quote from Doc. So Sink and Stanley is a friend of ours, a guy named Tim, who actually was at Rockin' Pod in 2019. Yep. And great guy. Um, I do think he's taken things a little too far with this latest stunt, but oh, uh, <laughs> I still laugh. So Paul Stanley did one of his Wentworth Gallery showings down in Florida okay. like a week, two weeks ago, and Tim lives down that way. Talking about like for his paintings? Yeah, Wentworth okay. Gallery for Paul's artwork. Okay. Where Paul stel- sells artwork for like $10,000 a pop, and uh, and unless you're a buyer, you don't get to go in and talk to him. But so... It was this Wentworth Gallery is like at a mall. So Tim's <laughs> hanging out at the mall <laughs> outside of this thing, and Doc McGee walks by and he decides he's going to interview Doc McGee. And Doc actually agrees to go on camera and talk to him. Oh, wow. Does he know who he is? Well, he he prefaces it with by telling Doc, and Tim actually went on Eddie Trunk and talked about this after <laughs> it was over. Um, he's told Doc, well, you may not want to talk to me after I do the intro. And th- Doc's like, ah, whatever, just go ahead. And so then it could, he breaks into Sink and Stanley here. And, I- oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, um, let, me, let me pull it up here. He said, uh, so, it, so he's like, so, so Doc, when, when is Paul going to finally admit that he used, that he lip syncs to backing tracks? <laughs> Holy shit, the ball's on Tim. <laughs> yeah. And Doc gets a strange look on his face, but then he goes, this is, listen, I'm going to read you his quote. By that point, he's got, he, I mean, Doc, McGee, Doc's got to know about Sink and Stanley, right? I would think so. So at this point, he's like, oh shit, it's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he still goes ahead and answers the question. So I'm going to read this quote verbatim, and you tell me if this doesn't sound like the biggest bunch of word salad you've ever heard. He said, Doc's quote is, he sings every track, so he sings to it. So he's not lip syncing. He fully sings. It's enhanced. 
It's just part of the process to make sure that everybody hears the songs the way they should be sang to begin with. Nobody wants to hear people do stuff that's not real. That's not what they came to hear. Huh. <laughs> so My head hurts. So, yes, he is, and here's the reason why is kind of what I get out of that. I mean, there's he does a straight up say, no, he's not. He says, well, I mean... The song, the tracks are playing in the background, and he's singing along with them. But, you know, people don't want to hear Paul Stanley the way he sounds now. Yeah. And then when Tim asked him to clarify if he's actually saying there are backing tracks that Paul's singing to, Doc says, he'll sing to tracks. It's all part of a process because everybody wants to hear everybody sing, but he fully sings to every song. Now, I think I can read between the lines on what he's saying because we know what it is. Paul Stanley, before the tour, in his current voice, probably did 100 takes on every song to get a full vocal in his current voice. Yeah. And that is the track that's being played, and he's trying to sing along with it, but most, I think a lot of it is he's miming to it. Um, But Doc basically admitted to Paul lip-syncing on this interview. (laughs) I mean, if anybody's going to get... The final word, the real scoop, the definitive answer on that. Who better than Sink and Stanley? It's and it's all over the media. <laughs> it's like it's everywhere. That's amazing. That's amazing. Trump talked to him for half an hour. What happened when Paul Stanley found out that Doc McGee allowed himself to be interviewed by Sink and Stanley. Yeah. Oh, there's been so many funny jokes made about that. My favorite one was some, you remember the original classified ad Paul took out for Ace or for the guitarist that said guitarist wanted with flash and flash and balls. Right. Yeah. Somebody like did a Photoshop to it said manager wanted with flash and balls. <laughs> You what? (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine what the meeting was. Oh, and oh, I I left out the best part. So, oh shit, there's more. So, uh, on the Sink and Stanley on the page, he's got video of all of this and of like his whole experience. Even interviews a fan that came to look at the art. But at the end, Paul and the people that bought paintings from him are walking out of the gallery because they take them to dinner to eat together. That's okay. part of the perk. All right. So, so Tim's out in the parking lot, and he's filming <laughs> the crowd, and you can see Paul in the distance. And all, this t- all of a sudden, Tim goes into the sink and Stanley voice, starts yelling at him. <laughs> and he's like, hey, Paul, what are you going to admit that you lip sync to tracks? And like every head turns back at him, and that's oh, when the video ends. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be a little over the line there, but the rest yeah. of it's awesome. <laughs> I was telling my wife, my wife about this because anything that's this absurd like this or Vinnie Vincent, I'll talk to her just because I know she'll roll her eyes. Right, and yeah. I've, I've been, she's known about Tim for a while, and I've told her, I'm like, I love Tim. He's a funny guy, and I honestly don't think he means any harm. But at this this latest stunt gives me Mark David Chapman vibes. He's got a this this should be the farthest he takes it in my Shit. opinion. He's going to end up getting shot by Paul Stanley uh, with his love gun. <laughs> He's going to bang, bang you, Tim. Unbelievable. That is, wow. Wow. Isn't that a crazy story? (laughs) That is something. Yeah. Eddie Trunk had a field day with it. Oh, I bet. Holy (laughs) shit. 
who would have ever thought, man, when that all first started up, when he first started doing that stuff, what it would come to this. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, Sink and Stanley gets more uh, blabbermouth headlines than Rock and Pod does. I'm actually jealous. Yeah, man. When's the last time Decibel Geek got on blabbermouth? <laughs> I'm like, damn, dude, you're getting you're getting more attention than a lot of the bands are, themselves are getting. You should have hired Sink and Stanley and put him at the sign-in booth down at Rock and Pod. <laughs> oh yeah, that would be a great idea. <laughs> wow. Just have him in a booth with a tape machine. Freaking awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, for the next story that's going to piss people off, probably, Rolling Stone magazine has put out a 50 genuinely horrible albums by brilliant artists list. Hmm. Want to go over some of those? I can think of a few of them. Yeah, sure. So the thing to also remember, they're claiming these are all brilliant artists. So remember that. Ah, um, yeah. I'm opening it up in the 40s because the, the headline is about Metallica. St. Anger ranks 43 on this list. That might be a little low. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to look through for some more of the uh, hard rock ones on here that are... The music from The Elder is 36. Wow, The Elder made the list. Holy yeah. shit. So that means they're saying Kiss is a brilliant artist? Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. It's about mm. time Rolling Stone figured it out. It's kind of funny, though, that they have this as their hor- this horrible record, but this was Rolling Stone was like one of the only media outlets that actually loved this record. Well, it was made for them. Yep. I mean, what Gene Simmons probably went to them one day and said, what would it take to get a positive review? What would it take? And they just said, like, hey, you look at Pink Floyd, The Wall. You know, look what they're doing. Mm. You need something that isn't about getting laid and partying. You need something serious. You do something serious, we'll give you a good review. You need Lou Reed and a glockenspiel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, wait, the glockenspiel was on uh, Flaming Youth. I got that wrong. I don't think there's any glockenspiel on uh, The Elder. Well, isn't that a surprising fact right there? (laughs) Yeah. It's just a fun word to say. Say it with me. Glockenspiel. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, 34 is Aerosmith Nine Lives from 1997. Yeah. I don't mind that album so much. I mean, their very last album, the music from another dimension, I would put way higher than that. Oh, yeah. You know, obviously it doesn't stand up to classic Aerosmith, but I mean, it's better than that, that piece of garbage. Yeah. We'll see what else is in here. A lot of stuff that's not hard rock. Um, let me just find the stuff that pertains to, oh, Cheap Trick the Doctor, number 23. That's, yeah, that's their album with, like, one good song on it. There is one good song on it? Yeah, there is one good song on it. I forget the name. It's the final track on the album. It's like the whole thing is shit, and then that last song is pretty cool. Hmm. I I don't think I like any songs on this one. Um, Oh, remember we talked about The Doors Full Circle? Yeah, without Jim Morrison? Yeah, Yeah. that's that's number 22. That was trying to ride something out because The Doors actually got super popular after Jim Morrison died, you know? And so yep. then they were like, well, shit, you know, if we're suddenly all our back catalog is selling like crazy, release something new without Jim Morrison, maybe they're confused. Maybe they don't know, you know, they buy it and then get it home and then be disappointed by it. Black Sabbath Forbidden is number six. I don't know about that. That's, I mean, 
As far as on Black Sabbath standards, yeah, I guess so, but I don't know about uh, that high. I think it's better than Born Again, but a lot of people disagree with me. I do, too. Uh, Metal, Metal Magic by Pantera is number four. That's not that bad. I mean, if you played it for a Pantera fan, they probably is it their wouldn't worst? dig it. I don't know. That's just that early stuff. Yeah. Glam Terra. I, like I think that one's better than Projects in the Jungle. Um, number one, Kanye West. Yay. Okay. I guess you could put any of his albums on there. <laughs> uh, That's because uh, if he's brilliant, I don't know. Let's go back to the bottom of the list and just see the the who it's hard you remember that's that album that was after keith moon died yeah that's kenny yeah. jones playing drums yeah that later 80s who stuff is i don't know although i think the song eminence front is on that record and that's a great song don't mm. know about it uh van halen three is number 48 that should be way higher on the yeah list. yeah you gotta put that up there that's that one's maybe got one, maybe two decent songs on it. Terrible record. You know, and everybody always talks about like Van Hagar era. And you know, I'm not a fan of it. But even in that era, there are songs that the band is so good that it carries the song through. So you say, even though it's Sammy Hagar singing it, there are a handful of Van Hagar tunes I kind of dig. But... I mean, even after that with Sharon, and Sharon was great and extreme, but even the songs were bad on that album. Mm-hmm. It was like the band didn't even carry through to make it good. Like it was, mm-hmm. it Gary Sharon didn't do a bad job. The band did a bad job on that album. I think. Well, I think it. I think it was a testament to how involved both Dave and Sammy were to like the melodies and the harmonies of the songs. Cause I think that there was just nothing catchy on it. It sounded like a lot of Eddie Van Halen false starts on ideas that never got like fully formed. Yeah. And you know, it sucks because I remember being excited about that album when it came out because it was like, Oh, maybe I can start liking Van Halen again. And I liked extreme. Mm-hmm. And I liked Van Halen, you know, classic style. And I was excited for it, bought it when it was new, and I was way disappointed in it. Yeah, I was working at Pizza Hut when it came out, and the manager I had, this guy was like the biggest Van Halen nerd you'd ever meet. And worshipped Eddie, and so I kind of like, my Van Halen fandom kind of increased just being around him, because he would just rave about him so much. And and I was playing in a band at the time and not that I could ever play anything like Eddie, but like we were both guitar players. We'd, we'd close the, re- close the restaurant, you know, plunk around on guitars and talk Van Halen. So when that album came out, they did a radio world premiere. Like it was like Westwood one or something. Yeah. And we were working that night and we had it blasting in the kitchen. I remember we were both listening to it going, trying to like, you have the rose colored glasses on release day. So you're always going to like something best on release day even if it sucks because you want to like so it. We, you just plunk yeah. down some money on it you know and back in the day then you, you know money wasn't so easy to come by so if you were putting down the cash to buy a brand new album is because you were hoping it was good and you really wanted it to be good but some albums yeah. you know you you just can't will them to be good yeah and like that whole night we're like oh that's a cool riff oh that's you hear that solo that was cool 
So we're like, you know, feeling happy about it. Then, of course, we both go out and buy it, and we're listening to it on our own time. And about a week later, I'm like, so, what do you think of that Van Halen record? He's like, it fucking sucks. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Man. <laughs> oh, reality set in. Some uh, interesting uh, news about Steve Vai uh, that just came out. He did an interview recently with Eon Music. And he was talking about Skyscraper and uh, recalling about how both he and Roth co-produced the record. But uh, he said it lacked the experience of the, they lacked the experience of being real music producers. And he also revealed that the guitar solos on the album are mostly from his demos and that Roth liked them so much that he used. Wow. Them. You know, that don't really surprise me when you talk about like 50 generally, generally horrible albums by brilliant artists. I put Skyscraper mm. on there. It's pretty bad. It's not good, you know? And then to set it next to Eat Em and Smile. I can never understand that, how you go from that to that. I always thought if he went from Eat Em and Smile to A Little Ain't Enough, he would have been huge. Yeah. Because I think that album was what everyone wanted after Eat Em and Smile. But uh, Skyscraper was like, let me go after the pop hit. and One good song. That's another album with one good song on it. And it was just odd. That's another one I really wanted to love when it came out, too, and just couldn't do it. That was the first vinyl album I bought with my own money. Man, I'm sorry. <laughs> I loved Just Like Paradise at the time because I was all about pop songs back then. That's the great song. Yeah. But yeah, but you're right. The rest of the album, other than a couple spots here and there, it doesn't really hold up. No, sure don't. But yeah, but you know, in the article, like he's doing interviews to promote this thing. He it's a record he made in like 1989, and it was him and a guy with the last name Gash. Have you heard about this? No, uh, uh-uh. it's pretty good. It's on it's on Spotify. You can listen to the whole thing. Um, it's just called Vi slash Gash, and the, like the guy singing on it was that guy, and he I guess he died around the time they recorded this record together. And the guy has a great kind of a Graham Bonnet type of voice, and it's way more of a straight-ahead rock record than Vi usually releases. So I think you might like it. Hmm. I'm going to have to look into that. Add yeah. it to the old CD want list. Yeah, it's uh, I liked what I heard. It, it, it does get kind of samey after about three songs, though. So it's kind of like, eh. It, it kind of comes off like, um, like a, a hard rock sitcom theme on a lot of the songs. So it's <laughs> a little cheesy. <laughs> Speaking of that, here's some news for you. After doing that episode last week, I want to start a heavy metal band and do a cover of the Gem and the Holograms theme. Nice. After hearing that song, it was stuck in my head for days. Well, it is truly outrageous. Truly outrageous. And I can't stop thinking about it. (laughs) I used to watch that cartoon after school. (laughs) Like, man, as soon as this is over, G.I. Joe's coming on, and then the Transformers, come on. (laughs) Anything that related to a rock band at that time, I was all about it, even if it was a girl group. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome that she's coming to Rock and Pod. Yeah, and has done a lot of amazing like voiceover work over the years. So, yeah. uh, and I, I've heard she's a pretty interesting person. So, yeah, I'm excited to meet her. I'm glad, it's kind of cool that we've expanded kind of what we have for guests. It makes it a little different this time. Yeah, kind of like Hollywood from Glow yep. being there. That's awesome. She's super cool. Wow, we even got John Brennan from the Real World second season. <laughs> oh, wow. I did not know that. See, that's the information that either came into later. I'm an idiot. 
Oh, I think I announced it after you started your oh, work okay. on that. So, All right. but, but yeah, he's he's coming, and uh, I've heard a rumor that he's going to do an ACDC song at the Rare Hair Show. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's wild. I suggested Hard Luck Well, and he's like, no, I want to do Who Made Who. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> okay. That's funny. That's going to be so cool. Yeah. It's, it's always a wild night. It's St. Patrick's Day on top of that. <laughs> is it really? Yeah. That Friday is St. Patrick's Day? Yes, it is. Wow. I did not even know that. Thank God. How many people are going to be hung over at the expo? That's always the difficult thing. You go out on Friday night, you have such a great time at Rare Hair, you're drinking, having a good time with your friends that you haven't seen in forever, and it's a big party. And then 8 o'clock in the morning rolls around, it's time to go to Rockin' Pod. You start getting up and getting ready to go. <laughs> that's why we're able to set up on Friday. <laughs> I love that. Oh, Everybody man, can that's, sleep a little longer. Yeah, that's what I was telling the wife. Hey, don't worry, we can set up on Friday. Yep. It's going to be a good time, man. I can't wait. You want to do some rock star birthdays, death days, and see what kind of albums we got coming our way? Yep, you take it over. All right, let's start with the rock star birthdays. And we've got some that are a little bit in the past, some of them that are probably right as you're listening to this, and some coming up that we can look forward to. We're going to do them all right now. Happy birthday on the 15th to one of our original interviews that we did way, way back in the history of the Decibel Geek podcast. Happy birthday on the 15th to Bill Hale. Oh, wow. We need to talk to him again. It's been way too long. Way too long. He was the guy that was there, and he witnessed the San Francisco Bay Area thrash scene as it started to emerge, you know, and he had some really awesome stories. Bill was a super cool guy, and yeah, we should reach out to him and see what he's up to nowadays. Probably still living in Hawaii, lucky bastard. Yeah, sounds pretty good. Also on the 15th, our longtime friend and awesome supporter of the Decibel Geek Podcast, Samuel Wetz, had a birthday. Happy birthday. Heck yeah, man. Good friend of the show. Let's see, on the 16th, we can wish a happy birthday. I think I know him best as the lead singer of Body Count. (laughs) The rest of the world knows him as actor and rapper Ice-T, but man, I love that Body Count. He's a legend. 65 years old. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, Let's see, I'm kind of looking at this list, you know, you do the happy heavenly birthday on the 16th to Taylor Hawkins, he would have been 51. Mm. But I was looking at thinking, do I want to, do you want to wish happy birthday to people that passed away or do you want to save that for the remembrances of the days that we lost them, you know, otherwise I'm kind of doubling it up. But for now, Taylor Hawkins on the 16th. On the 17th, we got some awesome friends celebrating birthdays, starting with Dave Tedder. Yeah. Former guest of the show, big helper to Rock and Pod. Yep, he's working me like a like a beaten dog doing interviews. <laughs> I know you said earlier that you had an interview just you did not too long ago. You got another interview. What, I mean, what shows haven't you done at this point? I've done a lot of them, a lot of shows I'd never even heard of. So it's been kind of cool to meet some new shows, on, and uh, they're all excited about the event. Heck, yeah. Awesome. Uh, also on the 17th, here's a rockin' podcast for you. Jeremy Asbrock from the Gene Simmons Band, the Ace Frehley Band, and Minefield, and man, the Shazam, the Shazam uh, Rock and Roll Residency, all that good stuff. One of my favorite guitar players going today. 
I mean, you don't get chosen by Gene Simmons. You don't get chosen by Ace Frehley if you don't kick ass. Very few people in this world that I know kick more ass than Jeremy Asbrock. He's celebrating a birthday on the 17th. Speaking of people that kick ass, lead vocalist of Dawn of the Rising, one of our greatest supporters here on Decibel Geek, an awesome friend, Ray Coon. Awesome. Love that guy. Happy birthday, Thank Ray. You. You're fucking awesome. I know on the 18th, you got to be excited. It's a big day, right? You, you excited for the 18th? Mm, am I? I don't know. You got any big plans, any ways to celebrate? Not that I know of. Oh, come on now. You know I'm talking about on the 18th, the birthday of the one and only Juice Newton. Oh, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Turning 71. You excited? I mean, doing anything special? I've got a, I've got a whole shrine on the wall and a candle ceremony ready to go. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> going to dance around naked to her music. It's going to be awesome. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hey, you know who shares a birthday with Juice Newton? Nope. Bushy. Ah, like Eight peanut action. butter and jelly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, can't think of one without thinking of the other. That's right. <laughs> if he ever gives you hell for loving Juice Newton so much, you can be like, well, you decided to be born on the same day as her. Well, he's also a Debbie Gibson fan. I don't have to go very far. That's true. I bet you he does love Juice Newton. Probably does. Bushy and I are we're, we're secure enough in our uh, our masculinity to admit that we like really lame shit. <laughs> That is true. <laughs> All right, let's see. Celebrating a birthday on the 19th, turning 75. Mm, one of the godfathers of it all. One of the greatest guitar players of all time, Tony Iommi. Nice. Hell yeah. 75 years old, that guy still kicks ass all these years. And we'll wrap it up with this happy birthday. Another man we're going to see at Rockin' Pod. He's bringing Depot Records with him. He's got all the best vinyl, all the best rock and roll. This guy has been to Rock and Pod before, so he knows the audience. He's bringing the best stuff. Happy birthday to Tony Seminera. Love that guy. So glad he's coming back. And uh, yeah, he's a Rock and Pod staple. He always has an amazing selection of vinyl and stuff for you to buy. Heck yes. And a good and just a nice guy in general. Yeah. Totally cool, dude. So those are your rock star birthdays now. For the ones to remember, not too bad this time. I know these lists aren't perfect, and I know I always catch hell for missing people, but I've got four people, but they're pretty important ones. Well, actually, technically a lot more than that, but we'll start with the one that everybody knows, everybody misses, was just one of the greatest lead vocalists of all freaking time. Died in 1980 on the 19th. At the age of 33, death by misadventure, Bon Scott. Yeah. The world would never be the same after he died. ACDC would never be the same. I mean, they carried on for a long time, still out there doing it for the most part. But man, that early ACDC, you just can't touch it. No, it's legendary. And I'm trying to imagine if Bon Scott lived till today and could have his own podcast. That would oh, be something. Wow. That would be something. Or to have wrote, written a book. 
Yeah. Yep, alcohol poisoning in London. It's a crazy story, but Bon Scott led a crazy life. Yes, sir. All right, then on the 20th, we got to remember back in 2003, it's the anniversary of the station nightclub fire where over 100 rock and rollers lost their lives. Mm. All there to see the band Great White. You guys know the story. Terrible fire. A lot of people died. Along with Ty Longley, who was the guitarist of Great White at the time, it also played on its Samantha 7 album. So we want to remember all the people that passed away at the station nightclub fire all them years ago. So tragic. And then there's the video of it is on YouTube. Um, but trust me, you don't want to watch it. No, I've never seen it. I, I don't, I wouldn't want to, I don't think. I watched you know? it, watched it once for some dumb reason. And I regret ever seeing it. It's one of the most horrific things you'll ever see. Yep. I hate it. And you know, they were all rockers because they were there to have a rocking good time that night. And whew, man, one of the most tragic things that I can remember in my lifetime for sure. Yeah. All right. Then on the 21st, got to remember the bass player from the Monkees, Peter Tork. Passed away just a couple years ago in 2019 at the age of 77. He was diagnosed with like some crazy head and neck cancer in 2009, fought it for a long time, beat it, was had it all in recession, and then 10 years later, came back on him. Mm. Sad loss. Yeah. You know, the Monkees were always one of those bands where, like the Beatles, like Kiss, like everybody had their favorite. My mom was in love with Peter Tork. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. That's cool. It's true. And then we got one more. On the 22nd, back in 2022, at the age of 57, probably best known as lead vocalist of The Screaming Trees, one of my favorite vocalists, Mark Lanigan. Yeah. Very uh, special voice. Yeah. So unique. So cool. Man, I love his stuff. Got a lot of cool solo stuff, too. A lot of it's pretty mellow, but there is some good rocking stuff in there mixed in, too. Speaking of, uh, well, kind of speaking of Screaming Trees, did I'm assuming you watched the Super Bowl, right? Yes. So did you notice at one of the commercial breaks when they were going into the commercial, they were playing I Don't Know Anything by Mad Season? I think so. But uh, like I said, you know, I noticed that they're at football games, they play all kinds of cool stuff. But I was just like, what the fuck? They're playing that? It's like one of my favorite guitar riffs of, of yeah. all time. I even ripped off that riff for a, a, one of the one of my own band songs. So I heard it, the little harmonic part, and I'm like, that's Mad Season. Holy shit. I mean, that's the job of the guy who chooses the music for that and does the clips. I guess the stadium announcer, you know, to find the best riffs, you know, that people be like, yeah, and get excited for. I mean... You and I would be awesome at that job. We've got like a wealth of knowledge of great guitar riffs. Yeah, it was just so unexpected, but cool to hear. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Lanigan, drugs and alcohol his whole life, had a lot of addictions. But at the time of his death, he'd been sober for over 10 years. COVID almost killed his ass in 2020, but he survived it. Barely wrote a book about how it almost killed him. And then he ended up moving to Ireland that same year. And then two years later, passes away at the age of 57. Wow. Yep. Those are your remembrances, your rock star death days, people to remember. Break out some of that music. 
So now I've got a handful of albums that are coming out I want to let you know about. I mean, man, I got to get better at this because I got a feeling I'm missing stuff. I need to hire somebody just to let me know new music coming out. <laughs> if you're a listener and you want to clue Aaron into what cool stuff is coming up, email Oh, my him. God. Yeah, I just opened the floodgates. I'll, it'll never end. All right, whatever. I only got three this time. A few albums that came out recently you might not know about. An album called Ghost Writer. It's an EP. It's from Clint Lowry. He's the Seven Dust co-founder, guitarist, and does a lot of vocals in that band, too. was talking about he wanted to put together another full-length album because it's been a few years since he came out with a solo album. And because the schedule changed with, with Seven Dust, he just ended up releasing a five-song EP. It's called Ghost Writer. And... Uh, well, good news and all that, too, is that we can expect new music from Seven Dust in 2023. That's awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. Another one that also came out on the 17th, Robin McCauley. He's got a new solo album out. It's called Alive. You know, Robin McCauley from Michael Shanker Group, uh, Black Swan. I was reading a little bit about this album, Alive. He says it's a little heavier than his previous solo album. So hmm. look forward to checking that out, man. I really like those Black Swan albums. Yeah, Victor was uh, listening to the Robin McCauley album the other day and was raving about it. Said it kind of reminded him a bit of the uh, the more recent D. Snyder records that Jamie Jasta helped with. Yeah. And, uh, he said it's got that type of vibe to it. So, yeah, I need to check it out soon. Nice. Yeah, Robin McCauley, awesome singer back in the day. That dude still got it. All right, and then one more I got for you this time around. This is one of my favorite Japanese heavy metal bands. Learned about them way back when Kevin Williams came on the show from the In Obscuria podcast and taught us all about the visual K music of Japan. Bands called Love Bites. Mm. One word, Love Bites. It's an all-female band, but, I mean, they're influenced by, like, Iron Maiden and Motley Crue and Anthrax and bands like that. They are awesome. One of my favorite Japanese bands. They got a new album coming out on the 22nd called Judgment Day. Give it a chance. Give it a chance. It's good stuff. I like it. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I'll throw one in that I just heard about today. Um, I heard one song from it. George Lynch uh, is doing yet another project. And no. Th this one is with Tommy Victor from Prong. You remember Prong? Yeah, yeah, I do. Snap your fingers, snap your neck. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I can't remember the name. I think it shit. I can't remember the name of it right now. But I saw, I heard the song today, and uh, it sounds way more like Prong than it does Dawkins. So if you like the Prong stuff, you probably like it. Prong with George Lynch, huh? I'm calling it Prongin. Prongin. <laughs> oh, the Banishment. That's what it's called. Okay, that's cool. Right on. Thanks for your help, man. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm glad I got up the list of four this week. So there you have it. That's your Rockstar birthdays, Rockstar death days, and new music to look forward to coming your way real soon or out now. As always, this week, you want to throw in some of that classic ACDC? Feel like you're in the mood for some monkeys? Yeah, you can do that. And some Screaming Trees and Mark Lanigan. If you're not familiar with that stuff, I recommend it. Like I said, that dude's an awesome singer and a hell of a songwriter. But yeah, I never have a problem listening to old school ACDC. So that's a memory I'm honoring all the time. Yeah. 
All right. Well, back to the news. Black Sabbath bassist Geezer Butler is going to release his autobiography. It's called Into the Void from from Birth to Black Sabbath and Beyond. It's going to come out June sixth. Wow. Yeah, he's he's doing his. Uh, this should. I wonder what kind of stories are going to be in this thing, or how or how much Geezer actually remembers from back in the day on this one. Yeah, because he was a hard partier, big time. Yeah, it would be interesting though. I mean, I'm surprised that Geezer Butler's never had an uh, never released an autobiography before until now. I also heard something about a a giant box set he's supposed to be putting together. I don't know if that's come out yet or not. Um, I wonder if that's like his uh, GZR and mm. what well, he had some other bands back in the day too. Yeah, and also supposedly demos and stuff from the Sabbath days too. Oh, nice. Yeah. I heard that he was working on it. It was going to be huge, but I haven't, I don't think it's come out yet. That's freaking awesome. And I would love to read Geezer Butler's autobiography. I mean, yeah, I'll shit. buy it. You talk about Black Sabbath, like probably the greatest band ever. No, we're about to talk, talk about the greatest band ever next. Oh, no. No. So Richie Sambora said that he's in talks with John Bon Jovi about returning to the band and saying we have to get out there and do it for the fans. Wow, for real? Mm-hmm. That's wild. I never, never thought that that would happen. I thought those guys hated each other. That's what I thought. He said uh, he did an interview. Oh, I guess, he oh he was unveiled as Jacket Potato on the Mass Singer recently. <laughs> Okay, I don't, I mean, I've seen the commercials. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize that. Um, he said, uh, we're talking about it. I don't think there's any reason not to at this point. He said John was having a hard time with his voice a little bit there, and he needed to take a little bit of a breather. I don't know when John's going to get his voice together or when the reunion's going to happen, but we have to get out there and do it for the fans, really. I feel a second obligation. To me... The only way this band can survive is if Richie comes back and he sings most of the songs. Yeah, I mean, because Richie Sambora was a good singer. You know, a lot of the backup vocals are part of what made Bon Jovi so popular. He's the better singer by a mile. I mean, definitely nowadays, for well, sure. Even back, even back then, if you really listen, John's straining like hell to do what he's doing. Richie, it's just second nature and it just comes out naturally for him. He's a way more powerful singer, so not that I'm like getting super excited, but it is kind of it'd be kind of cool if they could make up and he could join join the band again. No, that would be something I think most Bon Jovi fans would be ecstatic about. Yeah, I mean the the Phil X fans are going to be disappointed, but but I mean, come on, it's Richie Sambora. <laughs> what about Dave Bryan? You got to bring him back, right? He's been there the whole time. Oh yeah, that's right. Dave's been there the whole time, huh? Yeah. Well, the whole band has, except for, actually, and technically Hugh McDonald, too, because Hugh was the guy recording all the parts that Alec John Such played live. So they technically, they do have the original band there. So if Richie gets back there, it would be that, that band. Pretty oh. exciting if you're a Bon Jovi fan. Yeah, well, it's that greatest band in the world, right? <laughs> no. All right. Uh, Vinny Apice says he was bummed when Vivian Campbell was fired from Dio recently did an interview on let there be talk with Dean Del Rey. And he was asked about, uh, Vivian's exit from the band. He says, uh, Oh yeah. Ronnie told me we're going to get rid of Viv. What? Why? Why are you going to do that? 
it was a money thing. We were promised a lot of stuff, a lot of percentages and this and this and this, and it never really materialized. And I kind of had my separate deal with Ronnie and Wendy with the contract. So that's what happened. Viv was questioning it. Hey, what's going on? It's just got to be a thing where they didn't like it. And they thought anybody could be replaced, which is not true. Sorry, that's not true. And they got Craig Goldie in there. Craig was in the band rough cut that Wendy managed. So it was convenient and easy for him to come in, but it's not true that everybody's replaceable. In certain bands, yeah, you can place, replace everybody whenever you want, but certain bands you can't. Imagine Zeppelin replacing Jimmy Page with somebody else or Robert Plant. There's magic there with that chemistry. So um, nothing nothing earth-shattering there, but interesting to hear Vinny kind of speak out on his uh, disagreement with the decision. Yeah, and I suppose Vinny did come in on a different deal because he had made the exodus from Black Sabbath with Ronnie, so yeah. he's on a kind of a different level, you know, than... Then the guys they get to join after that, you know, you got to figure like the other dudes are probably more like paid employees where Vinny comes in on the beginning. So he's got a better setup, I would think. But yeah, you know, it makes a lot of sense what he says, because I mean, Vivian Campbell was awesome in Dio. And after Vivian was gone, that's where things kind of started going down. And you could say that was the natural trajectory of the way music was going, but I don't know. He's right. You know, it was Dio was never quite the same without Vivian. No, I think he was the perfect guitar player for him. They just couldn't get along with each other. Yeah. Hey, speaking of awesome guitarists, I don't have this on the list or anything, but I thought I'd mention it. Did you see that the Ace Fraley band has changed up their set list a little bit? I did. Yeah, they, they're pulling out like uh, Insane, Stranger in a Strange Land, and a few others, right? That's so cool, man. When I read that, I was like, damn, now I want to see Ace Fraley again. Because (laughs) that's the way you should do it. If you're a band that's constantly touring around, you know, if you're coming back and making another loop and hitting some of them same cities, you kind of got to change up your set list. Because otherwise, if you get that reputation, then people go, well, you know, I don't want to go see Ace Fraley because he plays the same, you know, 15 songs every time. Yeah. And so to change it up is pretty cool because when I see that, I get excited. Now I want to see Ace Frehley again because I want to see him play Insane. I want to see him play Stranger in a Strange Land and some of these other solo career songs of his because a lot of that stuff, I mean, a lot of times you go see Ace Frehley, you're going to hear the Kiss songs, you know? And that's something I've always said. I know you've agreed with me that it'd be cool for him to dip into his solo career a little bit more. And now that he's doing that, I get excited about seeing it again. I want to see him play live some of those songs that were demoed in the early 80s. I love all that stuff. Yeah, maybe uh, the next covers album that comes out. or I mean, what? He's supposed to have a new album this year, right? That's the word. That's the word. I mean, maybe... I think there was some talk of him going back and taking some songs. I don't know. It'd be very cool to see audio video and the girl can't dance and back into my arms, back into my arms. That's another good one. Yeah, that'd be awesome, but very cool. And you know what? I think the credit probably goes to the band, you know, (laughs) I'd say that's an easy, easy choice because Ryan and Jeremy would tell us in Phil when he was in the Gene Simmons band they be, would constantly be pitching songs to Gene like they would sit together during the day and learn a Gene song and then go to Gene and go hey how about this you know and sometimes he'd go that's cool let's do that and other times he'd be like nah I don't want to do that one right 
So those guys get, you know, they're creative, you know, and they come to Ace and be like, hey, we learned how to play Stranger in a Strange Land. You want to do that? Hey, we learned how to play Insane. What, the last 10 minutes? Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I got one more story to go out on. This is kind of a lighthearted thing, but I thought it was interesting. So, uh, Foo Fighters frontman Dave Grohl did a four song solo acoustic or solo concert at Crescent Ballroom in Phoenix, uh, ahead of the Super Bowl out there in Glendale, Arizona. And, uh, you know, he did a Super Bowl commercial for Crown Royal. It was kind of funny. And, uh, he was, I guess they were supporting this concert. Or, oh, yeah. Crown Royal put on the concert. It was invitation only. But, he uh, said on stage, if you're wondering why I'm here, I've had a long and fruitful relationship with Crown Royal. This, <laughs> this goes back a long, long time. I'm talking like late 90s, maybe mid 90s. We went and hung out with this band called Pantera a long time. If you've ever had a night with Pantera, you won't remember it. But Pantera loved Crown Royal, and they got us hooked on that Crown Royal. It got to the point where we started getting the Crown Royal backstage then it got to the point where we started bringing that fucking Crown Royal on stage with us. <laughs> then it got to the point where our audience knew that we love Crown Royal so much that our fans actually fucking made a cape of the purple bags and sent it to us. Wow. So when we were that record, our fourth record has the song All My Life and a bunch of shit on it. I was wearing that fucking cape while we were mixing that record. Prize possession. <laughs> nice. That's pretty cool. Everybody's everybody's fed up with Dave Grohl, but he seems like he'd be a fun guy to do shots with. I like Dave Grohl. He is one of the guys in rock and roll that still gets a lot of positive attention from the mainstream. Yeah. Do you ever watch that show Hot Ones on YouTube where they eat chicken wings and they get hotter as they go? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, they the, the his episode is really funny because he, he brings, I think it might have been Crown Royal. Or actually, I think it was Black Tooth Grin is what he was making. Wow, uh, and uh, he was him. He was making the host do shots with him through the whole thing, and nice. it was like they get they get through two wings. He'd be like, "Another shot, another shot." And it was just funny as hell. <laughs> they they're hammered by the end of the whole thing. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, I think we covered a lot today. Yep. So there you have it. That is your rock and roll news. That is your geek wire. Quick shout out to James West, man giving us the love on the Facebook. Thank you to everybody that supports the Decibel Geek Podcast. In the comment section, I got to know who's coming to Rockin' Pod. That's what I want to know. I want to see everybody respond to this and let Chris and I know who we can expect to see there out of our friends and listeners. So do that. Aaron, before I forget, um, there is a special guest coming to Rockin' Pod. Well, there's a lot of special guests coming to Rock and Pie. No, it's a new one, and this is totally not real. It's Yannick Gers of uh, Judas Priest. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> right. I almost forgot uh, from the last Geek Wire, you guys are owed a correction. <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw it in. Thanks, Chris. You're welcome. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking. Sometimes, like I said, my brain and my mouth don't. The lightning don't spark like it's supposed to sometimes. The shit comes out wrong. So, hey, if that's what it takes to get people to comment <laughs> in the comment section, then, you know, Thin Lizzy was a great band with a lot of great guitar players, but nobody was better in Thin Lizzy than Ace Fraley. Oh, that's sacrilege. Comment on that. <laughs> We're going to hear it now. Camaro's fucking it up again. Yeah, <laughs> but this was fun. 
All right, there you have it. We want to know if you're coming to Rock and Pod. Who are we going to see? Let us know in the comments section. This is GeekWire, the good, the bad, the stupid, the ridiculous, the sinking. It's all here. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time. See ya.